Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as lime margarita and grapefruit paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks.
looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a conversation with world-renowned expert on performance, well-being, and sustainable success, Steve Magnus. I recently heard Steve on an episode of the Rich Roll podcast and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation regarding mental toughness. As a mom to three young children, I recognized the correlation to mental toughness needed in parenthood. Having coached Olympic athletes and other top performers, I knew Steve would be a great guest to discuss resilience, but specifically, how can we train our brains to transcend the discomfort we will surely encounter in our parenting journeys? But as always, before we get into this conversation, I want to ask you to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. And thank you to everyone who has left encouraging words on iTunes, Spotify, and even on Instagram. I love hearing from you. As for my minimalist moment this week, I always tend to bounce ideas off my husband to see if they're worthy for the minimalist moment of the week. So I was like, Marty, what do you have for me? And he suggested I mention the cherry picking that we did while we were in Michigan. I didn't fully understand until he explained why it was significant, but we definitely like to prioritize experiences over things when we're on vacation and in life in general. So that was one thing, but also we needed snacks and we needed food for the trip. And it was nice to have these cherries with us throughout the few days that we were there. So we were able to use that experience to both entertain ourselves and to nourish ourselves uh, while we were in Michigan. I told him that I wanted a little bit more than that. So I also wanted to recommend that when you do go on vacation, always try to find an Airbnb, especially if you're traveling with kids, always try to find an Airbnb or an apartment, wherever it is that you're staying that has a kitchen, because I don't know about you, but I definitely don't enjoy eating three meals a day out, especially with children, especially with young children and finding a place with a kitchen where we can cook oatmeal, where we can cook eggs, where we can have sandwiches, 
fill in the blank. It just makes it so much easier, cost efficient, and I don't think I'd do it any other way. So that was one of my minimalist moments this week, just trying to find ways to prioritize experiences over things, quality over quantity, and intentionality when it comes to finances and budgeting. All right, that's enough about me. Let's get into this conversation with Steve Magnus. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I reached out to you because I heard you on the Ritual podcast and you were talking about how when we do hard things, as your book is called, and we subject ourselves to things that might take a little bit more perseverance or mental toughness that we can take that grit that we experience in those moments and use it in our day-to-day lives. And I think that there's a correlation there with parenthood. I think that we can apply that mentality when it comes to being moms and dads. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't you go ahead, introduce who you are, and we'll get started. Sure. I'm Steve Magnus. I'm a performance coach who works with a variety of athletes and people outside of that, executives, entrepreneurs, all sorts of stuff. And then obviously author, writer uh, with my latest book being Do Hard Things. Absolutely. And you're not a parent, but you are and have been a coach of young people. So I think you have a lot of insight in this area. Yeah. So I'm not a parent, but I've been around kids or young, young athletes all my life. I coached high school. So 14 to 18 year olds for a long time. And then for almost a decade, college kids, 18 to 22 year olds. And then my wife is a uh, elementary school literacy specialist. So I'm around five, six, seven-year-olds all the time helping her. So no kids yet, but around kids and young adults all, all my life. Yes. So I like it, the very start of your book, when you were asking kids to describe what tough, is it the word toughness? Isn't that what it was? They came back with words, hard nose, gritty, playing through pain, stoic, exhibiting emotional fortitude, showing no signs of distress and persevering, which I think persevering is a good thing, but a lot of those words seem negative. And so when we're talking about toughness, I want to change what people actually think about that because oftentimes I think they do, as you say, have this idea of machismo and manliness and stoicism. So I want to talk about how you define toughness and then we'll talk about how it can apply to parenting. Yeah, definitely. So I I think that's what's most fascinating is that our traditional concepts often are kind of negative or like they're very you know, uh, man driven, unfortunately. And I think that's just kind of how it's been growing up, like whether it's from sport or just culture or military's influence, we have these ideas of it's almost like, you know, ignore everything, you know, forget what you're feeling, just push through the pain and put your head down and bulldoze through whatever we're facing. And that's the, that's what toughness is. But in reality, if you look at not only the research, but also just top performers in a variety of fields from sport to military to everybody, like that's not what works when we go through challenging times. When we go through challenging times, difficult moments, it's not putting our head down like that might work occasionally, but instead it's it's creating the space so that you don't spiral out of control so that you don't take we'll call it the easy choice, but can navigate through that and figure out what wise action is in those moments. So 
it's it's kind of counterintuitive to our traditional view of toughness. Absolutely. And you say toughness is having the space to make the right choice under discomfort. And so I'm wondering again, how this can apply to motherhood and how we can take challenging ourselves and pushing through hard things in order to become better parents, because we are going to face uncomfortable moments in parenting. And I think that if we don't prepare ourselves mentally, especially as our kids get older and they get into those teenage years, uh, it's going to be very difficult. Would you say? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think parenting is one of the most challenging things that we all face Mm -hmm. because there is no, you know, guidebook that tells you exactly what to do because it's so individual and, you know, every kid is unique. So I think here it's it's pretty simple is that you're going to face challenging times with your kids. You're going to face challenging times in your life and balancing all of that stuff. And what I'm trying to get at is often our initial reactions are kind of that that old school toughness of like, oh, I'm just going to handle everything and just to be super mom and do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. And we know that, again, you can do that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But over the long haul, like that's going to lead to, you know, burnout, not a very pleasant place, not being your best for both your, your um, significant others and your children. So to me, it's, it's more about, okay, how as parents do we set ourselves up to handle some of these difficult moments? And then also like, how do we pass along and teach these, this, these like concepts to our kids? Because a lot of you know, parenting is not clearing the way for our children, but just like preparing them. And often preparing them means like allowing them to struggle and do challenging things and like navigate all of that, because that's how we learn how to, how to build those skills that we need to, you know, conquer the the tough things in life. It's curious to me because you describe authoritarian parenting in your book. And I would say I am very much that way, but I'm very reactive. And so I think that when you are reactive or staying in that zone of like high cortisol, high stress, or if you're constantly going around stressed out because you don't have an outlet to manage that stress, you automatically, if you're triggered by behaviors that make you angry, you're going to react negatively. Yeah, it, exactly. And I think it's, you know, just to be clear, mm-hmm. is we all we all have these tendencies towards like authoritarian styles and all that sure. stuff. <laughs> and at certain periods of time that might be the appropriate response. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm trying to get at and also what the research says is it's like balancing that out in the sense that if you live too much in that authoritarian like control, high cortisol, high stress, high reactive state, That's not a good thing. We have to balance that out because if you don't, it's like you said, you just react to things and you kind of spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And the more that we do that, the more that becomes a habit and pattern, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's almost like our default state. It's, you know, um, again, I love uh, pulling from my wife, who's a longtime elementary school teacher for this is she's always tell me it's like, if you just keep reacting to the kids when they misbehave in a classroom, you've got 20 plus, you know, kids in there, all you're going to be doing is reacting all the time. Mm. So it's, it's how do I manage to like 
you know, manage these problems and what I'd call like respond instead of react so that we can like get back out of that cortisol state, both her and for those kids and get in a state where kind of our rational brain kicks online and says like, okay, I know I might want to do this or have this urge to react in this certain way, but this is the better long-term solution over here. Like I've got to get in this other direction. Definitely. And in that moment where you're being authoritarian with your children, I know I'll speak from my own life in the moment. If I get them to behave or bend to my will, I'm like, Oh, there we go. You I've disciplined you and you're going to be more disciplined because I can control you. But you say authoritarian style creates the appearance of discipline without actually fostering it. And that's where I think I've gone wrong. And I'm starting to notice now in my seven and a half year old. So, you know, uh, I'll give you the, the coaching, um, take on this because Uh early in my, my coaching career, I would say I would, I had a similar response, you know, you're dealing with a lot of high school kids. What do you have to do? You have to get control. And what I quickly noticed is if I defaulted too much to that style, sure, I had control when I was like standing over them. But in 99% of their life, and even when they competed, like I'm not standing over them. Yeah. And that is often the issue is we can, we create that discipline or that control when we're there, when they fear that punishment, when they know we're watching, Mm -hmm. but the moment that's gone, then they default towards kind of what they know. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to like instill this, you know, this support, this care, this, okay, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do or whatever have you and and train and teach them those skills. Because if you don't, like the moment you're gone, it all fades away. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't think you said this at the beginning, but you have been a very successful runner in your past. And when you are running, you can take what you've learned from coaches, but really you say in your book, when you're alone with your mind and it's just your mind that has to get you through, usually during the day, I'm alone a lot of times when I'm with my kids. And so I have to discipline my mind to learn to work with itself. I have to listen to my inner voice. And I I like that correlation with something like running because you do have to motivate yourself inwardly. And it's so much, so much of my day is that way. Yeah. I mean, as I said, parents have it really tough, especially uh, uh, moms who might be in charge of taking care of their children or dads as well as like, you know, it's you alone with, you know, four, five, six, seven-year-olds, however old your kid is. Mm -hmm. And you're the adult like all the time. And so it's natural to have that almost like inner battle in your head because you can't express that to anyone else. Like you've got your children and you're in charge of them all, you know, and you have to be there to take care of them. So I think the correlation is, is, you know, is very, you know, important. And I think what also is interesting is that, again, if you look at the science and psychology of it, is we kind of hate being alone in our head. Mm-hmm. Is it's a, it's a stress in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this fascinating study, and I think I talked about it in the book, but where they just stuck a bunch of adults in in a room and said, "Hey, you're just going to sit here for a long time," and th- and there was this one button they could push. But if they push that button, it delivered a shock to them, like a painful shock. 
And something like 80% of the people, instead of sitting in that room alone with their thoughts for like, it ended up being 20, 30 minutes, they hit that shock button over and over again. And it was just fascinating. The researchers were like, why do they do this? Well, because we were not very good at being bored or being alone in our head and just dealing with our thoughts. So again, to me, it, it switches this, this notion, the old school model of toughness or resilience or whatever you want to call it is, we'll ignore your thoughts, ignore what you feel, all that stuff. But what I'm saying is they're going to be there regardless like we're, we, we better get used to them as best we can so that we can kind of understand where they're leading us in the right direction or maybe even wrong direction. And, um, and that's a much better place to be. For many of us, stress is just a regular feature of daily life. For me, it's navigating the various ages and seasons of three kids while juggling all the other roles I play in my day to day. When stress becomes more intense, it can actually trigger physical reactions like dramatically increased hair shedding and thinning. And what's wild is that people usually lose about 50% of their total hair before they even notice an increase in shedding. Now there's a way to stop stress-related hair loss in its tracks and spark new, stronger growth. Pros specializes in custom hair care, and now they also make custom hair supplements that help reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. I've worn my hair long for the past several years, and with the length, I have to be sure to keep it well-conditioned and healthy, or else it just becomes far too dry and brittle in appearance. Hair care is something I prioritized in my 30s, and I want to make sure I'm treating it the best that I can. Through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues, like age, hormonal changes, stress levels, diet, and more. Pros supplements use only natural, clean, safe ingredients, not drugs or hormone disruptors. All formulas are toxologist-approved, gluten-free, and vegan. Try your own custom hair supplements, and you'll get 15% off. Get yours at pros.com slash minimalist. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash minimalist for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off of custom hair supplements. We've kind of talked about it, but why should we do hard things? And some of the examples that you used with ritual you talked about like cold plunge or running some of these things that maybe the average mom is not going to go do. I was going to say one of the things I did a month ago, it's called floating. Have you heard of floating? Yes. And I was alone and I ended up doing it in complete darkness for an hour. And I was so bored. And when I got out, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. I had so many bizarre thoughts while I was in there. The spectrum of thoughts were all over. And I told my husband, he's like, it sounds like what you needed. It sounds like that was a good thing for you. And you should probably do it more often and be alone with your thoughts more often. But I agree with him now afterwards, but yeah, why do we do hard things? And what is that going to look like for moms? What are some, I guess, examples, because again, we're not necessarily going to always go cold plunge or do some of these other things that might come more naturally to you. Yeah. So I think it's incredibly important because it puts our mind, it's almost like you're pushing the boundaries of what your mind and your body and brain are used to. And that's important because what happens is it almost frees you up because we have this like alarm system in our brain that says like, oh, something is different. Something is more challenging than normal. This isn't our normal state. And when we're not used to doing difficult things, that alarm goes off really quickly. 
it just like it's like blaring and it says threat threat get out of here like this is not a good situation um and that's not exactly what we want it to do because it's almost like an overreaction instead we want the alarm to actually go off when we're actually in danger and when there's an actual threat there so if we don't do difficult things ever that alarm never goes off the other thing that is nice about it is with difficult things or hard things there's a whole bunch of what I'd call like positive hormonal experiences from like dopamine to oxytocin to some positive adrenaline responses, which again, Mm -hmm. it's almost like you're priming the pump. If you never do anything challenging and the only hard things you do are things outside of your control, let's say stress that just gets thrown at you. Well, that's a different hormonal system. That's like cortisol and like negative stress. What we want is positive stress. Mm -hmm. How do we get positive stress? We do difficult things that we choose to do, Mm -hmm. right? Because the body says, oh, they're choosing to do it. So let's give them the adrenaline and let's get through this. Mm -hmm. So some examples, and I think this is important. Physical things work really well. And that can be, for some people, that could be as simple as going for a walk. Um, But Anything that causes just a slight bit of that kind of discomfort and that like little bit maybe of anxiety or that urge to be like, ah, I don't know if I should do this. That that is a opportunity to train this mental muscle. So it really, you know, the the possibilities are kind of endless on and the way I like to instead of giving like all these examples is I like to just challenge people. Think of something that, you know, in your life you think like, ah, I mean, I kind of want to do that, but that's going to be really challenging or difficult. And I don't know. I don't really want to do that. Like this, this kind of sucks. And those are the, are, those are generally the things that you should embrace. So it could be something as simple as, you know, signing up for a class that you didn't, that, you know, you, you know, you should take, but you've just kind of been neglecting. Mm -hmm. It could be having a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. Like that is, one of the most challenging things that we can do is having that difficult conversation with a friend or colleague or, or family member or what have you. Um, it could be, again, stepping outside of your comfort zone. If you think you're a horrible salsa dancer, signing up for like salsa lessons, whatever it is, like, because all of those things are going to, you're going to have that moment of doubt and that place where you're in your head and your head is essentially saying like, no, get out of here. Don't do this. Like you don't need to do this. And that is a moment where, again, if instead of just reacting and saying, okay, I'm going to get out of here, you just kind of learn to like, okay, I understand this. I feel anxiety, but I'm going to kind of navigate, work my way through that. Then you're training that mental muscle for, you know, everything else in your life. Yes. One of the things that came to mind was you could also, if you're a mom and you go to the playground, you could chat with the mom. And if you're, especially if you're introverted, I think that could be something that puts you outside of your comfort zone that also has a reward within it, hopefully pretty quickly if you guys connect. So I'm wondering how best to encourage our kids in this area, because I want to raise my children to also have the desire to pursue these moments of hard things. So what does that look like? How has that looked like even with the people that you have coached? Yeah. So a lot of it is, so there, there's a couple things, maybe we'll start with where parents get, get wrong. Um, from what I see, again, I'm not a parent, but I've seen the kind of 
I've seen a lot of parenting styles in, in kids and seen what, what works and kind of what doesn't. Um, often what we get wrong is we think, okay, yeah, we got to challenge people. And then we're just behind them, pushing and shoving them along. And that backfires. It backfires because what we are teaching them is if you're getting shoved into the, the hard, difficult thing, then it's a negative experience for that kid. And they interpret like, why would I do this? Like, this was not fun. This was not great. Now, there's a difference between what I'd call shoving and nudging. As a parent, it's okay to nudge. It's okay. They're, you're, you know this. Like, your children are going to, if we just left them to their own devices, sometimes they wouldn't do much. So you have to nudge them along sometimes. But there's a subtle difference there. Um, what actually works is I, I call it like create the environment where you can, they can, you know, do challenging things and then support them in that way. So what does that mean look like? When you're looking at parents um, supporting kids doing hard things, it's giving the, them the freedom to fail. Meaning, you know, you see this in youth sports all the time. Don't be the parent who like yells at your kid or criticizes their their little league baseball or peewee football performance right after a game. All that does is put them in a negative state. Mm -hmm. Like you want to be there supporting them and supporting the effort that they give, you know, instead of like the outcome that that occurs. The most important thing is for youth sports often is like that car ride home. If you mess that up, and are just constantly criticizing the kid, all they're going to think is like, this isn't fun. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't a good challenge. Mm -hmm. So creating that environment where it's okay to take risks, to like do difficult things and fail. And if you fail, they know they got mom and dad support and like, it's okay, you know, get up next time and we'll go get it. Like that is so big because it creates this almost positive loop of like, okay, it's okay to challenge myself. And even if I fail, I'm going to have mom and dad support and love and all that good stuff so I can do it again. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so key. And then the other thing that I think is really important is like putting people in situations. So with young kids, often it's like, okay, how do we get them to do challenging things? Well, to me, it's about allowing them to dabble and explore so that they find that interesting thing that like catches their attention where they're like, oh, I want to go deeper. Oh, I want to play this sport. Oh, I want to read about this more. Oh, I want to challenge myself in this area. And as a parent, whenever you see that, that interest kind of spark, mm -hmm. like that should be a sign of like, okay, I've got to support this child and like give them the room to, to grow in this area and even the opportunities to kind of challenge themselves um, in those spots. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking about even with my two and a half year old the other day, we were at the playgrounds and he wanted to do something that I would have considered slightly dangerous and he started doing it wrong. So I brought to his attention, Hey, how, how do we best do this? Just, I mean, even talking to him, like he's older and then being there behind him to support him if he fell. But I was like, watch where your feet go, watch where your arms go and encouraging him that way. And I, I mean, by the time he got to the bottom, I didn't need to help him. He knew his body and he was comfortable. And so allowing them, I did an Instagram reel on this to do dangerous things carefully, I think is how Jordan Peterson put it. And 
I, I really like that idea. Cause I think again, you're challenging yourself, but you're staying in a good comfort zone in a good space. I love that example because it's all about as a parent, it's all about how you set the constraints mm-hmm. where they have the freedom to explore within a place that is relatively safe. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing there. You're saying, Hey, this challenging thing, like this is really tough. I'm going to coach you up a little bit, but like give you these guide rails so that you can kind of figure it out. And I think often too much in, in today's society, often we, we default towards that protective mechanism because again, we have those alarms going off in our head as parents, because you love your child, you care about your child. You don't want them to fall or get hurt or what have you or lose. So it's natural for that alarm to go off. But as I talked about in the beginning, is that alarm going off? Is it like hyperactive alarm that we shouldn't listen to? Or is it like accurate? Of course, that alarm should go off if you see your child, you know, walking close to a a tall cliff or something like that. But but should that alarm go off like the moment they stumble a little bit at the playground and they're okay? Probably not. So it's about finding like the appropriate risks so that again you can you can support kids in in growing because it often is those those moments where we do something that's unfamiliar. And I think this is so important for children is they gain confidence from doing things that like. They're not sure they can do, but then they get on the other side and they're like, oh, okay, I figured this out. I can handle this. And then the next time they climb that ladder or like go on the big swing or whatever have you, like Mm -hmm. they're confident and it's not a big deal. So I think that's what we're trying to instill in children. Absolutely. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say to encourage parents that might be listening today? Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, I think parents are fantastic and has such a difficult job. What I would say is, is also be kind to yourself and that no one's going to do everything perfect. So you you might be listening to this podcast and you might be like, Oh, like, Oh, I did that wrong. Or I did that wrong. It's okay. Like it's impossible. Um, the one other thing I'd say, and this goes for maybe older par- parents with older children is like, allow them to have the freedom to explore and don't, and just make sure you're not placing your own expectations entirely on their shoulders. And this is maybe my coaching hat put on, but there was the athletes that I saw thrive in both high school and college were those that, yes, they had supportive parents. Yes. The parents loved and cared and all that stuff, but you know, they also knew when to get out of the way And when to just kind of step back and be like, this is their show. Like, this isn't me out there competing. This is them doing their thing. I'm going to be on the sidelines and supporting and not maybe be the, the the crazy, you know, little league dad who's like yelling at the ref. And I think that is such an important um, part, especially again, doesn't have to be sport. It can be music, like whatever dance, all those things, whatever your child is doing. It's like, again, just make sure you're not placing too much expectations of your own expectations on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that is difficult. I know for myself, when I have let my seven and a half year old, when she started going to art classes, the first time I made sure I walked her up, addressed the teacher, made sure she felt comfortable. But a couple of weeks ago, she's been doing this regularly. Now I opened up her door and I'm like, bye. And she is (laughs) 
confident and comfortable. And I went through the motions of being a mom and allowing myself to be aware of those emotions. I felt like I wanted to hold her tight to me, but knowing that she could do it. And now I think it's really awesome that she does. That's amazing. That's a perfect example. Because again, it's it's natural to go through that cycle. Of course, at first, you're going to have that that protective, all that stuff. But what you also demonstrated there is that your job is the mom. Your job isn't the the art teacher, right? Yeah. And and I think that's such a great example and delineation because like you're knowing your role on supporting and what you're trying to do. And your role isn't to maybe like judge all the art and improve all that stuff because she's got an expert in that area who's gonna like help guide her and do all those things. Well, and not to hover and it's going to look different for every mom with how she feels comfortable. But going back to like this whole point of this episode is applying the mindset of you can do hard things, allowing yourself a little bit of difficulty and you're not even necessarily day to day, but just from time to time can really build that muscle. And that's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. Is is it's is it's not, hey, we need to do something crazy difficult every day, but we're just looking for those small moments where it's like, building that muscle so that when you're in those moments, like you said, with the art class, like you can navigate those emotions and figure them out versus having that instinctual reaction of like, oh, I've got to hover or I've got to like make sure everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about because we're all going to experience those emotions. We're all going to experience those inner voices that tell us to do X, Y, or Z. And that's normal, but if you can spend more time kind of figuring them out and understanding their their language, you're going to be in a better place whenever, you know, the difficult moments arise. Absolutely. Well, Steve, where can listeners find you if they want to connect or grab a copy of your book? Yeah. So my book is available wherever you can buy books. And then on social media, you can connect with me at Steve Magnus on all social media. And then my website, stevemagnus.com. Perfect. Well, I asked every guest these last two questions. What is a resource that has been beneficial to you that you'd like to share with listeners? Oh, gosh, a resource that, you you know, I love podcasts. So I am a huge Rich Roll fan. I love the Daily Stoic podcast by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And then I think uh, Andrew Huberman has another fantastic podcast as well. I am obsessed with Rich Roll. A friend turned me on to him. Not everything I agree with or subscribe to, but I love the conversations he has and he's a great interviewer. So I totally agree. All right. Lastly, what is something that you can't stop talking about? Something that I can't stop talking about. Oh gosh, there's so many things. Actually, the, the last month has been all book stuff. So it's all related to that, unfortunately, because that's all where my mind goes. But I love I I love um, thinking about leadership and this ties to parenting. And I spent a lot of time figuring out or trying to figure out how we look at leadership. And that's something that, you know, is really on my mind right now. Great. Well, thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate your book and your expertise in this area. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for the conversation. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.